I'm not disagreeing with the value of a DEI. I, I can appreciate the value. Yeah. I just feel that it, it wasn't done in a way that was respectful to other community members. And so don't blame them if they're, they're upset, upset with that. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and at the same time, it's, it's, it, was some, it was somewhat weaponized, I believe, in the last election uh, when smearing people and talking bad about them. They're like, oh, someone who's not for DI suddenly becomes like a white supremacist or yeah. a race. And that is really irresponsible. Yeah. Um, and that's something that I think the, the school board should have come out and say, that's, you know, even, even this is a competitor of mine, a rival. Yeah. I, I'm not condoning it. Hello, everybody. This is Aaron Silva. Welcome to our special edition of the Eans Parents Unite podcast, our candidate series, where we are meeting with each candidate for board of trustees at EISD one-on-one and hearing from them exactly how they feel about a multitude of issues and what they're willing to talk about to get your vote. This year, there are a total of five candidates running for two open places, number six, and place number seven. Ellen Balthazar and Heather Sheffield are defending their incumbent seats from Jay Lamy, David Borutia, and Jim Withers. Beginning over a month ago, we invited all of the candidates to the podcast with the understanding that we would be completely fair and above board, that we would discuss the same topics with each of them, and perhaps asking the questions in a slightly different way based on their candidacy. The topics we proposed to them were the budget, the DEI policy, a library books, and last but not least, we wanted to make sure each candidate had an opportunity in their own words to pitch as to why they deserved your vote for Board of Trustee this year. Each of them were offered full editorial control over their episode, allowed to hear their episode in advance, and at their option, make edits or re-record anything on the podcast. I actually met with each candidate in advance for about two hours to get to know them because I had never really met any of them or knew any of them before uh, the podcast. Uh, And in this meeting, I got a chance to uh, understand them a little better. So that way I could tailor the questions around their individual strengths with the idea of making their episode a win for them and a win for the community. Every candidate was eager to accept the invitation to come on the podcast except for Heather Sheffield. She decided not to record a podcast, but her opponent, Jim Withers, did. We also have an upcoming Public Square Forum that we are hosting on the evening of April 20th at Riverbend Church. I will moderate this discussion, and it will also be a live broadcast that anyone can see and hear on the Internet. We have cordially invited all of the candidates to attend, and all of them have accepted again, except for Mrs. Sheffield. I think we have made a tremendous amount of progress uh, interviewing each of our candidates, and I know you will find each of them to be interesting on their own. I know the episodes may run a little long, but I highly encourage you to listen to every single minute of what they have to say. We are truly fortunate to have such wonderful parents willing to run for Board of Trustees of EISD. I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to the podcast today, folks. We are here with a very special guest as part of our candidate series for the Board of Trustees. And with our special guest, we also have a very, very special guest that's going to introduce our special guest. My name is Rebecca Barutia, and this is my dad. David Barutia, 
Thank you for coming to the podcast, and thank you for bringing your very sweet and beautiful young daughter here today. Thank you very much, Mr. Silva. It's a pleasure to join you. Call me Aaron, please. What do they say? My dad. I called my dad Mr. Uh, but uh, yeah, please call me Aaron. If I can call you David, that's okay. Please call me David. Because I can only roll the tongue so many times. <laughs> Barutia, such a pretty name. Thank you. Um, so uh, welcome to the podcast. Um, congratulations on your interest in uh, running for place number seven with uh, against Ellen Balthazar. Uh, but before we get into some of the meat of the interview, I'd, I'd like people to get to know you a little bit better. Uh, tell us a little bit about you, your family, where you're from. Uh, I like that you you have a very uh, international uh, vibe about you. I think that's really uh, interesting. And um, and we'll start there. Great, great. Uh, I'd like to first start off with a thank you, um, Aaron, for all the work you're doing at Eads, uh, Eans Kids First. Uh, it's a great podcast. Uh, sharing information with our community uh, is really important. Uh, knowledge is power. And what you're doing is really important. So I applaud you and uh, also want to thank your your uh, listeners. You're welcome. Thank you. Uh, so about me, uh, my name is David Barutia. And um, my surname, Barutia, comes from the Basque country in northern Spain. Um, and um, there's a legend that uh, there were the Barutia Knights during the time of uh, King Ferdinand and uh, Queen uh, Isabel, who financed uh, Christopher Columbus. And the Barutia Knights... Uh, moved to uh, the New World and uh, branching from one to Guatemala and one to Peru. Uh, I come from the Peru lineage. and um, But my, from the night side. From the night side. That's very machismo. <laughs> the Barutia Knights. <laughs> That's a t- I'm, I'm going to go back to my heritage and, and reinvent it as well <laughs> as being these cool knights. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I'll yeah. pretend like that's true. Go ahead. No, we did. We we, we, <laughs> I we did. A, you. We did find a book. I I turned it into a high school senior senior project. I love it. I love it. Um, so if I'm, my family is from Peru originally. Uh, both my parents. Uh, I was born in Lima, um, in a neighborhood called uh, Miraflores. So if you visited Lima before, you've probably visited my neighborhood and uh, eaten at some of these uh, wonderful restaurants there. And uh, I grew up in Texas, though. I uh, moved to the United States when I was one years old and grew up mm. in Clear Lake. Uh, in the Houston area, Southeast Texas, as well as Beaumont. Uh, and that was also a very important part of my experience because uh, Texas is a great state. I love Texas so much. I attended a public school in Clear Lake called Armin Bayou Elementary School, which is really the foundation of my education. And I'm really thankful to the state of Texas for the uh, public education that I got. And uh, I think it really made a difference. Mm-hmm. I um, later on went to a prep school in Connecticut and uh, college in Vermont. That's a change. I uh, studied biology and psychology as well as uh, languages, uh, Spanish, uh, French, uh, and then Chinese, and then went on to uh, travel around the world, learn languages and culture, ended up in Beijing uh, for more than 10 years. Uh, I I arrived there before it became really popular, before the Olympics and stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I first went there, everybody was asking me, why are you going there? Um, But it was really... I felt it was very important for me to understand the other side of the, of the world, uh, understand people in different cultures. Yeah, it's a, it's a connected world, yeah. for sure. Yeah. I met my wife there, and our, our two kids were bo- both born in Beijing, uh, but we've been living in uh, Austin since uh, 2013, uh, raising our kids here. Came back to the homeland. That's right. Okay. The, pr- the promised land. The promised land, <laughs> exactly. And uh, your uh, business experience also has a... Um, an international flair to it, but also you come from, in the private sector, education, right? That's, that's right. Mm-hmm. Well, early on in my, in my um, career, 
I wasn't quite sure what what to, what field to to go in, and I tried different areas. I tried even tried law, and when I was work when I was living in Beijing, I even worked at the uh, China World Trade Center at the top floor. The skyscraper, oh, wow. this cool. law firm, Hong Kong, Hong Kong law firm, the clients like Alibaba when they were really a small company, mm-hmm. clients like Starbucks, News Corp, you know, major companies as well. Mm-hmm. And I didn't like it. <laughs> I mm-hmm. didn't like the the life of living in the and working in a skyscraper and you know being detached from people uh, and I uh, really got involved with more education space and and um, being close to people uh, helping them develop uh, teaching and that has become my passion and I stayed in this education business world for many years mm-hmm. uh, including being an author a teacher a high school counselor administrator a uh, I'm a founder of an international school founder of a children's science museum I've also been a TV host on international TV <laughs> and uh, many different things, including market researcher and, and stuff. And I was that, joking with you earlier. You can't. I told you don't bring up the TV host thing because now I'm outranked. <laughs> but that, so I'm. So, that's former. <laughs> that's former. Former. Okay. All right. So I got you right now. I'm just a podcaster. Uh, I even. I'm not even that. Actually, I'm not sure what I am. But I'm um, having fun. Uh, wow, that's quite a background. And it's a. Uh, um, and you are currently a substitute teacher in the Ean School District. Uh, tell tell us a little bit about that. That's right. That's right. Um, well, um, as you know, I've I've been serving the district for many years now uh, in many different kind of capacities uh, on the, on our campus at Eanes Elementary. I'm on the Mustang Dads Club and open the door opens. open doors in the, in the morning and all different kinds of stuff. I've done. I've been a homeroom parent, um, class photographer, and all different kinds of stuff. But you know, one of the highlights is Envision Eanes Advisory Committee. Yeah, um, working with a, a group of community members that uh, want to study, understand the district, and figure out how to make it better. And uh, through this process, I got to know uh, Eanes a little bit better. I was on a couple different subcommittees, including the Educator Subcommittee and the Community Subcommittee. And through the Educator Subcommittee, really got a better sense of the challenges our teachers are having. And from that experience, felt uh, you know, uh, an urge to you know, you know, step up. Um, I have an educator background, and I have this this knowledge yeah. base and skill set. You know, I can I can bring that to the table, especially during the pandemic when uh, teachers are really hurting. And yeah. uh, that's what I've d- been doing since last spring, and jumping around different campuses wherever wherever they need me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so this uh, Envision Eames, a lot of parents probably won't know uh, what it is, but um, it's made up of I'm guessing around thirty or so parents. Are, are parents and interested parties in the community, mm-hmm. and the it's a formal uh, subcommittee of the board, and the purpose of it was to effectively, um, it's like um, you know in Congress we would have the uh, you know an oversight committee that can run around uh, carte blanche look at in all corners of the organization talk to any of the mm-hmm. constituents on the inside teachers. Yep. Other employees, program managers, students, uh, and you know, just really gather information in an independent kind of non, um, you know, not an untouchable way, like a special counsel or something. You're not investigating crimes, but yeah. you're you're looking. You want to inform the board on where it's doing, where the school is going right, or the district is going right, where there are issues, stuff like that. Uh, very interesting. Um, this committee was formed when. So it was like three and a half years ago. Three and a half years ago, you're still on the committee. Still on the committee. And um, so what were, uh, I, I've read the report. There's a lot of positive stuff in there. What are the, some sort of top of mind positive things 
that came from it that parents, listeners would be interested to know about the, the school district? Well, first of all, Envisioning's is a great group of uh, community members, not only parents, but we have some teachers in there as well, uh, um, uh, some administrators. Uh, I got to know uh, Dr. Jeff Arnett through through the Envisioning's committee and developed a great deal of respect for him. Mm-hmm. I've mentioned to many people, and I've been in the education space for many years, and I hold him as like gold standard. Mm-hmm. So we were very uh, you know, lucky to have yeah. him as our rising yeah, superintendent. Um, Envisioning's... Uh, is a group that, um, like you said, went around uh, different campuses, got to understand and research, and uh, that was really important uh, part of the process to to provide uh, advice to the trustees. You know, and maybe it's because of my Barutia Knight heritage, <laughs> but it was like a mission for me. You know, and I you know I had to uh, dig out uh, the information, the truth, and provide that. Um, and some information uh, is you know glowing. Obviously, we're living in a, in a district that has a great. Uh, educational standard, um, but at the same time, there were some some hard things in there. Um, but and like like I said, it's part of my duty, and uh, that's what I fulfilled. Yeah. So the um, the findings in the Envision Eans report, which was delivered to the trustees when in January of last year. January of last year, January of twenty twenty one. These aren't opinions that you're forming. These are facts that you're discovering and the and this committee is discovering and boiling up to the top. Um, w- you mentioned there were a lot of positive things about it, certainly, but I, I did notice some things in there um, as a parent reading it I thought was very interesting. There were some, uh, some recommendations. One of them was for a, a director of community relations, and the point of that was to solve uh, this communications issue that between the the district and the public and the teachers and so did they ever act on that as far as you're aware of no i i don't think that they acted yeah. on that yeah gotcha and um uh, but i but you know at the same time we do already have a communications director uh, claudia uh, mm-hmm. who is superb mm-hmm. um and uh, she's a wonderful per- personality uh, very kind uh, yeah. hard working and by the same time um Maybe too much on our plate. Yeah. So, so yeah, this was an enhancement to yeah, that some position. In, some it was a, it was some a duplication of, effort, not duplication, but more capacity. Yeah, and definitely not any kind of criticism about Claudia. And okay. I think everybody was very supportive, and you know. Uh, I didn't. I didn't understand that as I read the report. I thought it was a new position. Um, so this is an an addition and we, an addition need, person because more resources because yeah that oh, okay there's a lot on that plate and uh, I think that's worthwhile to kind of engage the community. I'm actually still on the community subcommittee because we. Yeah. We uh, disbanded the subcommittees, and we we're creating new subcommittees now. Okay, and I'm I'm still on the community one, so I'll be helping push for that as well. Gotcha. Okay, um, one issue of a few that stood out for me. There was a a comment in um, that talked about on page 17 of the report. There were discovered patterns of psychosocial issues with teachers. Specifically, there was a fear of retribution for speaking up. There was resentment for not being, uh, for being underappreciated or not being appreciated, and there was a general distrust of administrative leadership. I thought, wow, uh, <laughs> that's pretty heavy. Um, yeah, for for you know, uh, tell us about that. What's uh, and you're a substitute teacher. Um, put more color on that. Sure. I mean, I've been an educator also for so many years, so I have a kind of that um, point 
point of view, uh, you know, frame of reference, which I think is really important. Um, and those those comments were based on a survey, and that survey included very direct questions is what do you think is positive and what do you think is negative? How do you feel valued? How do you not feel valued? And so we and we wanted to get some negative comments. Of course. And, and it's these, not, these, it's these not are, a real survey if you're getting it all flowers. Yeah, you know. and, um, but at the same time, there's a lot of positive comments. So I, don't, sure. I don't want those positive uh, comments to be overshadowed at the same time. But this there's, was big enough to put in there. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's it's... It's real. It's truth. I mean, it's fact. Uh, we're not, you know, we're just messengers. Yeah. Um, collecting information and providing that information. So, um, there's a lot of great things. And a lot of teachers said that they felt, um, you know, their peers, their colleagues were very dedicated, very pur- purposeful, very thoughtful, very respectful. Uh, their peers supported each other. They uh, they loved working with their peers. They, you know, they felt valued as professionals amongst their peers. Um, you know, some of them also had some good things to say about the administration. Now, it wasn't always negative. Understood. You know, you know, Understood. Many people felt they had good access to the administration, that there was good communication lines. But at the same time, like I said, the survey was designed to kind of pull out uh, what what are the difficulties that yeah. people are experiencing. And so those those popped up, and we relayed that. And so through this report relayed that to the trustees yeah, we back re- January last yeah yeah we really in the report and then directly to the fr- uh, trustees as well and yeah those those are all i think you know valid concerns i mean these are these are humans with emotions that that are having this experiencing this yeah. and um you know it should be recognized and we should deal with it mm-hmm. and then move on mm-hmm. uh, if we don't it's kind of fester or It'll, it just won't be as healthy. In a, in a minute, we're going to spend some time talking about staff attrition. Uh, this has to be driving some of that staff attrition and morale, would you think? I believe so. Uh-huh. I believe so. Um, you know, we, teacher attraction and teacher retention were um, the charges we had uh, to in the educator subcommittee, we need to understand what is, how do we improve teacher attraction, teacher retention. And through that, you know, we, we did learn these things. And our feeling from the surveys and talking to teachers was that, yes, these things matter. These things matter to them to feel valued, mm-hmm. you know, uh, to be a teacher in the first place, to be, a te- to be in this profession, you're not necessarily looking for that big salary check yeah. any- anyway. That's right. But, the love. Same, but at the same time, you you need to be uh, feel feel valued, mm-hmm. um, and so some teachers didn't feel that. Yeah, and I think that's something, and I I believe Dr. Arnett has has gone on his way to try to figure that out. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, you know, how how what can we do as a community yeah. to help out? Yeah, which brings us back to why you're running yeah. in our meeting together um, some weeks ago. You uh, highlighted that the inaction or the um, your belief that when this presentation was made to the trustees that they effectively buried it and there was no obvious response. Um, I'm not sure that was your word, but that was what I understood from your comments. And this kind of made you upset and said, you know what, I'm going to run. This is this has really got me over the this that- is my tipping point. I'm going to run for trustee because I, this is important stuff to you being a, you know, being a teacher. Well, I think that's a little bit of the context, but that wasn't the, the real decision-making moment. Um, but that you know, I think that um, sense mm-hmm. that the trustees may not have appreciated this report as much as, you know, we had hoped for. Yeah. That wasn't just me. I mean, there was, yeah. oh, I no. think that was the whole group. Yeah. Um, pretty much 100%. Yeah. And um, unfortunately, after that, 
uh, report. Some people uh, decided to, to leave, resign. To and, resign, yeah. and mm-hmm. uh, our you know, chairs stepped down. Um, it was kind of a re yeah. uh, the charter has been revamped and stuff. But um, yeah, I think there's opportunity still, um, and uh, even if there's these challenges, we shouldn't lose hope. Yeah, there was another um, a very diplomatic, by the way. Uh, there was another recommendation in there about a faculty council. Oh yeah. And uh, so is this a? Tell me about what this is. Uh, what 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 the recommendations were highlighting that were important. Well, this was a proposal from our educator subcommittee, and this was a discussion we had. Um, I actually threw out this idea initially, um, it, based on my experience in education field, working in schools, private schools, in, independent schools, international schools, and working with colleges. Mm-hmm. You know, faculty do have a kind of a body uh, where they can you know, celebrate each other. They can mm-hmm. support each other. They can advocate for each other. They can do, you know, and that's something I noticed that we're kind of lacking. Um, <clears throat> of course, there may be the threat that, you know, this body then becomes like a union. They and, organize. And they organize. And, yeah. But at the same time, we, I feel we need to give uh, faculty uh, more voice. Gotcha. And uh, ownership in the process. Um, as being as an educator for many years, I've been on many different kind of committees. And I've been on committees where, uh, similar to the envisionings, where they kind of go around uh, the committee and say, okay, what do you think? What's the answer to the solution yeah. uh, to this problem? Or what do you think? And they go around, or what do you want? Uh, we're going to fund something. What do you want? And I always feel very uncomfortable in those situations because it doesn't really matter what I want. Yeah, It really matters what the people want, what the yeah. community wants. So I, yeah. I always push it back and say, you know, let's look outside. You know, let's, you know uh, mm-hmm. I, as I mentioned before, I, I'm a big supporter of democracy. Yeah, and, well, and that's having, good. Having, <laughs> and then, <laughs> All right, you're in the club, man. Welcome to America. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, I, um, you know, um, I'm very thankful uh, for the state of Texas and the democracy in the United States and mm-hmm. the impact it had on my life. And even though I lived in China for many years, I was always promoting uh, democratic ideals in schools. Mm-hmm. And so um, I found it a little bit ironic that there was kind of a bit of pushback from this faculty council. Um, mm. And here, here in the U.S., um, the idea was that there should be some representation. There should be a group that people can. And there was resistance to. from the faculty to do that. There wasn't resistance from faculty. You know, initially, I was like, okay, let's put this on the survey. Yeah. Um, and see what faculty, you know, yeah. if, if this resonates with them. Because, yeah. And because by that point, I had already asked our group, and everybody liked the idea. I asked outside our group. Yeah, let's. Yeah, I asked faculty around the district, yeah. and they're like, yeah, that's yeah, cool. Feedback. Yeah. All right, so let's put it in the survey. We can have a kind of a measurement. Yeah. Uh, but then there was a pushback from our subcommittee, like, no, we don't, we don't want that because that may that might be promising something that we cannot deliver. Um, like, oh boy! And so, and we didn't put it, we didn't include it in the survey, but you know, I did include it in my conversations with the faculty. Yeah, and I think we all did as a subcommittee, and that kind of came up as and this is a good idea. Faculty can support each other. Faculty can yeah. celebrate each other, honor each other. Yeah. Um, and they have this voice, and they have this more value, which would which would respond to the um, sense of resentment for not being appreciated. Yeah, they could they could at least organize to appreciate themselves, recognize themselves, uh, bestow awards, and yeah. and and um, some kind of rank among themselves. Uh, you know, senior teachers and new teachers and mentoring programs and all this type of stuff is possible That's if right. they organized around this concept. That makes sense. Um, and then there was another. 
recommendation or another observation, I think it was referred to in the report, was about the need for a code of conduct for parents. Now, what's this about? Again, I, I know you're the messenger. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not giving you a hard time, but translate what, what that is. Um, okay. It's a very, very curious notion. Yeah, but before I translate, let me just put that also in, into reference. Uh, even sure. even people who have some kind of resentment, uh, faculty have resentment in the district. That's not everybody. Understood. Uh, so that's still a, a point. And so uh, the comment about parent conduct that isn't necessarily a blanket comment about all parents in the district. We have, of course, I think the majority of parents very supportive, yeah. uh, very kind, uh, and always willing to to help. Um, but uh, we, in our in our surveys, we got we heard back from teachers that. They feel sometimes intimidated by parents. Yikes! Um, and uh, talk down to, uh, and you know, said things that, you know, is not civil. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, you know, different different things. There was one teacher said uh, a parent told told him, "I own you." And I, I think, own you. Yeah, I think there's maybe a kind of a sense of entitlement when you, mm. you know, when you have this kind of uh, large scale fundraising donation, which is very, oh, very important you. too. Oh, got there may you. be a sense of entitlement that may come along with some people, not everybody. Yeah. But then that kind of also fits some personalities out there. And so having this kind of uh, parent code of conduct is kind of more like a, a minimal standard of being civil. And <laughs> and um, that was kind of the idea, how, yeah. to, how to protect our teachers. Yeah. And not to how to um, manage our parents. Yeah, behavior manage our parents. Yeah, yeah. sort of a sort of a tells you where we're at in the world where we have to uh, come up with a, a policy that our parents should be civil. Yeah, and this was before the pandemic. <laughs> yeah. Oh wow! They, now we really need it. <laughs> Post pandemic, yikes! Uh, well, there is certainly. I brought it up in a previous uh, episode that I've heard from teachers that some parents. Uh, instead of coming in curious about why their child is not getting good marks or how they're behaving and supporting the teachers and reinforcing uh, uh, the authoritative relationship that the teacher has uh, with the children, instead their attitude is, uh, why is Johnny getting a C? Why did you give them a C? Mm-hmm. You know, they can't possibly, my son mm-hmm. can't possibly get a C. Yeah, and what and you're saying on top of that, there was some notions of people. You know, do you know how much money I gave to EEF? You know, you wouldn't even be here if I didn't donate that 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 type of thing. That's that's too bad. That's yeah. too bad that that's happening to teachers. They don't deserve that. They don't deserve that. They don't and, deserve but at that. the same time, that's something we kind of need to face yeah. too. I mean, yeah. it's it's not too difficult to face it too, um, but need a little bit of courage to face it because it's obviously something that's not necessarily politically. Positive. It's not pleasant. Yeah, it's not pleasant, but at the same time, mm. you're not taking this job because it's pleasant. Yeah, yeah. Right? You're not gonna you're not gonna continue to turn out an amazing product. These great kids, if the teachers are not loved and attended to, and, yeah. and you know, paid. Which brings me to my kind of thrust of my next question, which is uh, around staff retention. We know that um, our staff uh, attrition. Rate is floating somewhere around ten percent, and um, that's below the Texas average. I understand, but and about half of the national average. But still, a ten percent attrition rate is not good, and um, no one can say 
that that is an improving trend or not as compared to previous years. You know, we have these anomalies of the pandemic and mm-hmm. stuff, and all of that's kind of penciling out. It doesn't feel like it's going in the right direction. I think there's certainly awareness on everyone I've talked to at the administration and certainly has been in the booth here with me that, um, you know, this is a problem. Uh, what does this problem look like to you? Uh, you want our vote as a trustee, and what are you going to do about it? So this goes back to uh, my original platform. So there are three things I'm um, supporting in my campaign. Uh, number one is community. Number two is teachers. And number three is democracy. So uh, for teachers, I know there's a lot of um, difficulty with retention, but teachers just in general are something that our community can get behind mm-hmm. and support. Sure. I know um, during this time, uh, in the last couple of years, there's been a lot of division in our community, a lot of uh, issues, singular issues that come up and divide people. And, uh, I think you were there at the board meeting uh, this Tuesday week. Night. Tuesday night. Oh, I, my I God. Re- I read uh, Martin Luther King. When yeah, I, you when did. I, I Martin, thought that was pretty cool. Martin Luther King, that speech is really inspirational for me. He's talking about the poverty of the spirit and how mankind has advanced so much technologically and, and scientifically. And we can uh, you know, fly like birds, swim like fish, but we can't walk the earth like brothers and sisters. And mm. I think there's, this is something that also is applicable to us uh, as a community. And you know, while we're blessed with you know, resources, talent, and philanthropy, you know, this poverty of the spirit also affects us. You know, it stands to divide us, divide our community through these political issues. Um, and it stands to vilify our community members and ridicule our neighbors. You know, that's not helpful for our community. Yeah. And so um, being conscious of that and then also being conscious that, you know, let's look at our common interests and not be divided by these mm-hmm. uh, differences. And the common interest is teachers. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something everybody can get behind. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, uh, EEF also is teacher-focused. Sure. And everybody's, you know, can get behind that. Um, but, you know, for, for teachers, we need to kind of get over our differences and come together for that. Um, How does a trustee do that? You know, you, uh, you have, um, you get to vote on things, uh, you you know, how do you solve it? I, the, I, no one can disagree with these, uh, you know, these spiritual things you just talked about, yep. and and the the deficits we have of spirit, and sometimes our 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 ethics and morals and how we treat each other. But as a board member, you know, what are you going to do? Uh, what do you think we need to do about the staff attrition issue, uh, which is not going away? I think the staff attrition issue is. There is, uh, we need to have multiple <laughs> approaches. Isn't okay. there's not just one solution? Okay. And this is a conversation we yep. had at Envision Eans last week. Yeah, what are they? Um, and number one, uh, salary. Uh, mm-hmm. And we know all the challenges. We've heard them all. All the the reasons why we can't necessarily give. You know, that we're state funded. Um, and there's there's different reasons. But at the same time, we need to focus on solution not excuses. Mm-hmm. And I'm not I'm not uh, blaming people for saying those those reasons, but you know, as you know from the business world, when you meet a problem, you need to find the solution. <laughs> you have no other choice, but you have to find that solution. Yeah. And we need to have that attitude. We need to bring that attitude to this problem. Okay, yes, their salary is a problem. Oh yes, we have this this obstacle in front of us that we can how can we get around that? Mm-hmm. And you know, being innovative, being creative, you know, bring this 
you know, for, for me coming in and injecting like fresh blood into mm. this uh, initiative to kind of figure it out, I think that's important. Mm. Because otherwise you have many years of kind of just getting habituated and conditioned, yeah. you know, to begin the meeting saying, uh, we need to give teachers more pay. And you end the meeting saying, we need to give teachers more pay. And then you have another meeting, but the same thing. And so it's time for action and solution. And, you know, we, we have so many resources in our district. You know, sometimes when we look at the problem, we say, oh, uh, we have this little budget or, oh, we have this, this it's a scarcity mindset mm-hmm. we fall into. We need to look at as an abundance mindset, mm. how to tap our resources. Look to ourselves for strength. Mm. Um, I think that's really important. Do you have an example, a practical, this is what we would do, or an idea that you have on fixing? Do you have a business answer? So it's, it has to be a public-private public private answer. And now right now EEF is kind of being taking the lead mm. um, for uh, teacher salary, but... I think there's other things we can do. For example, for example, stipend for uh, travel expenses. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Envisioning's last week and this week we've been talking about uh, how, how to figure out affordable housing, housing. in the district yeah. and talking to the mayor's office and other folks about you know, mm-hmm. how to go about that process. And um, you know, But at the same time, we really absolutely need to deal with this um, social, emotional issues going on with our teachers. All right, salary is one. Psychosocial. Psychosocial. Mm. It's psychological and social, so yeah. psychosocial. It's, yeah. it's not psycho in terms of being crazy psycho, but it's psycho in terms of psychological. Yeah. So we have the the money, uh, the salary um, issues that we need to deal with, and we need to just tackle that and figure it out. You know, mm. we need to have a deadline, say we need to, and approach and it that, that way. And that may mean take money from somewhere else. Take money from, we can, we can try to figure out the, the best approach. And mm. usually that, that sounds like, all right, take money from something else. But I don't think that needs to be, that's more like a zero-sum approach. Mm-hmm. The zero-sum is that it's going to be the same number, but you just transfer. Yeah. Instead, we can look at um, something that adds adds value or mm. add, brings in more fundraising. Maybe there's something that that has been holding us back from doing more fundraising. This is something I, I talked with uh, Jay Lammy about. Mm. And what can we do? Um, mm-hmm. And so... Um, you know, those are different issues in terms of salary. Aside from salary, I think this uh, uh, social emotional problems need to be dealt with. It's kind of, you know, it's kind of too obvious, right? Uh, we have EEF calling teachers heroes, but then you have teachers saying that they're scared, mm-hmm. and it's like, what? There's a dysfunction here. Mm-hmm. We're t- we have EEF saying this is this is what matters most. Teachers matter most. But then teachers feel ignored. So th- there's some kind of dysfunction here. Um, in the education field, this is sometimes called toxic positivity. Toxic positivity. <laughs> and, oh, my ma- God. Many, many schools around. And this is not uh, isolated to, to us. I mean, yeah. This is something that happens around. Toxic positivity. Yeah. So being saying being positive so in our district. Like co- be, to being too positive. Well, I think. But ha- not, not delivering. In our district, kindness, like the green umbrella yeah, of kindness, yeah, yeah. is is the uh, the imagery that we have in terms of promoting kindness, uh-huh. being civil, yeah, um, being positive, yeah. But if you don't then have that other side of listening mm-hmm. and engaging and helping the people that are struggling, are struggling, they're crying yeah. out for help, then that becomes a dysfunction. I gotcha. think, and I think we're a little bit at that at that stage. I think I can bring some truth and reality to mm-hmm. that conversation. Mm-hmm. To try to pop that bubble, yeah. But 
otherwise we're kind of in denial of this dysfunction. Um, you know, communication is such a major issue right now. Yeah. Uh, has been for some years. Um, some of us uh, believe there's not enough communication. It's not transparent. There's no clarity. There's certainly no two-way dialogue. It's one of the reasons we started this podcast because people are not yep. not uh, going over these very difficult issues um, in a in a in this in this format, so people can hear all sides of it. And we're doing our best to have all sides of it. Uh, you know, what, what's your opinion on where the communication has gone wrong between EISD and the parents? Because I think that's the biggest gap. And you've been talking a little bit about. Um, the communication between EIS, the, the administration, and the teachers. But what about between the district and the parents? Because those are those are who's going to be voting for you. Um, where did it go wrong? Um, you have an idea when it went wrong, uh, and you know what are we going to do about it as a trustee? What can you help do about it? So the communication between the district and the parents, right? Yeah. Um, you know, in many ways, the communication is okay. Um, like I men just mentioned, the communications director Claudia is doing doing a great job. But at the same time, there's so many more things that can be done. So there's almost like an opportunity cost there. Gotcha. You know, so it's no criticism. Was, but it's a communication we're not addressing. Some uh, more things that we could be doing, gotcha. engaging, and mm-hmm, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So you know, how, how can you find some help? Um, in terms of EISD administrators or mm-hmm. EISD school board, mm-hmm. um, it may be a little bit different. That's who we're talking about. Okay. That's where you're going, right, the board? So the board's not doing <laughs> yeah. a good job of communicating. Well, um, And that's not think, uh, think, Claudia's problem. No, no, no. Yeah. For the school board, um, you know, I'm you know, on on one hand, I'm an advisor to the school board uh-huh. <laughs> on envisionings. So uh, I, um, you know, serve and to help them for yeah. further the district. Yeah. Um, and at the same time, I'm just a community member and I have my own opinions, private opinions and yeah. ambitions to see what I can do myself. Yeah. And uh, in this respect, um, I believe we can do better in the communication. I mean, you're, you're talking to, to somebody who can speak many languages mm-hmm. and who's traveled around the world and worked to bridge divides among people who mm-hmm. have even more far different backgrounds and opinions yeah and uh, bridging people together creating cross-cultural friendship you know that's what I do and um, I think for the for the school board um, many of them have been there for for several years and some of them are arrived to the position uh, uncontested uh, without any any, huh. any opponents and so they their perspective um, on communication and, and interaction with the district may be uh, informed from that experience. Gotcha. And guided from that experience. It may gotcha. be a little bit different from other people who, who gotcha. ran for board and got to go through that that process uh, of talking to the electorate. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, at the same time, in terms of communication, we need to also take a look at um, the tone behind communication because we're, you know, communication can be accurate, can be factual. But sometimes there's a tone behind that communication. Mm-hmm. And that's something I think I can also help improve. Um, is there a problem with the tone? Well, um, this is something that we've kind of talked about um, conceptually in terms of the mission statement mm-hmm. um, of the of the district. That um, And through our work in the Visionings, we kind of found that you know this drive for excellence yeah. sometimes overshadows those who aren't as excellent in some areas of whatever way you're, mm-hmm. you're trying to measure that. And so um, 
that kind of uh, con- concept we kind of dug out. Mm-hmm. And I think that the mi- new mission statement tries to you know, ha- provide more equity, mm-hmm. uh, more balance uh, to that. But I think that concept is still also apparent in the communication tone. And um, whether it's kind of an overconfidence, uh, whether it's coming from top down, or um, you know, maybe it's uh, all these years of experience coming through and, and sounding yeah. in, in a way that uh, I know more than you. It's kind of an academic uh, overconfidence. Um, uh, we, we know what we're doing. We know what we're doing with your kids. Or we know what's best for them. Is that what you're saying? I know. I, yeah. I know you're in a tough spot yeah. because you, you know, you're on the subcommittee. You, you, you get a paycheck occasionally from them when you're a substitute teacher. But, uh, but right now you're running for trustee seat. That's right. So yeah. let's just divorce yourself from those other uh, concerns. Yeah. And what do you feel about this? My sense, just. Um, you know, even if I weren't running, yeah. my sense of the situation with the school board, uh, and it's not personal, it's not uh, them as individuals, yeah. but it's the board itself, and it's that has it's kind of carried on. It's this culture of the board uh-huh. um, that there's this kind of uh, prestige and title mm. Mm. Uh, that goes along with that. And of course, it's a very distinguished role. Sure. You're, you're you're a servant to the community, you know. But um, you know, serving is the supreme art. Yeah. You know, God uh, serves man, but he's not a servant. Yeah. And so, you know, being humble is really important. So is that, and, there's a little lack of humility as a body? Well, you know, when you kind of... You <laughs> I'm kind trying of to find words to put in your mouth. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> I know you don't want to eat them. Kind of. <laughs> I'm just curious. This prestige. Yeah. You know, I myself went to some top schools. Yeah. Um, I went to a top prep school where JFK studied. I went to also a top liberal arts college. Yeah. And I studied at uh, Harvard for my professional certificate, and yeah. um, I've been a teacher also at great schools. Yeah. And um, you don't have to be overconfident. Yeah. You don't have to yeah. be uh, act uh, in a way. You can be humble at the same time and have that excellence. Yeah. And I think that's an important part of the communication. You know, part of the communication from the school board that I have criticized before is that their lack of neutrality. When mm-hmm. I before I ran for school board, I went around and talked to each of them. Yeah, and they said uh, you have to be neutral, uh, and maybe you can actually do more if you're not a school board member. <laughs> as a committee member, maybe you can do more because as a school board well, member, then, well then go, have... <laughs> Mister and Mrs. Trustee, then go do that. <laughs> so, so that means that means they're they're admitting that by being a trustee, they can do less. Well, that, that was the argument. That <laughs> yeah, was the argument. I, I, don't run. You don't want don't this run. job. There's nothing to do here. You know, but, yeah. they, but basically they were like, uh, you, uh, basically we only do budgeting and uh, hiring the superintendent and managing the superintendent. That's pretty much it. But we all obviously know that there's much more that of they course, do. They have course. this strategic summit. Yeah, they, they have, have all these initiatives. Of course. You know, yeah. And so through these other things, and even during the campaign of mm-hmm. the last election yeah. um, when some of the incumbents were running, yeah. they do not show that neutrality. Um, of course, they're private citizens. They can they can um, vote and support whoever they want. Yeah. But when I asked Ellen, you know, I said, you know, this you're talking about being neutral, but then your the board members are coming out and supporting. This polarizes our community. Gotcha. This yeah. polarizes our community because as a school board member, you need to be approachable yeah. to anyone. You know, yeah. uh, families need to come up to you and talk about their hopes for their children or their grievances with their children. And if you go into like elections like this and say, oh, I'm, I'm going to be supporting this incumbent, 
you know, that's that's not neutrality. And I think children are also paying attention, and that's, that's not really good modeling. Mm-hmm. And um, so that you know, that was a really uh, you know something that I, I've been open about yeah. in, ter- in terms yeah. of my criticism. They're all fine people. Um, no question about it. Uh, we've had Ellen. She's obviously uh, recorded a podcast. Just what a what a sweet, wonderful gal. And uh, but I do understand your sense of this. Mm, I'm not sure what it is. Uh, this prestigeness. I feel that uh, you know you have the the board has not set up an alternative way to communicate that is engaging and uh, direct and intimate enough to offset the offense that parents get by attending these board meetings, right? Because you go to a board meeting and it's a business meeting. I get it. There's no place for two-way dialogue. You got to get up there and, you know, do your thing for one minute until you hear the dong and then you're, you know, move on, next person. And I understand why they do that. And it's a business meeting. But that, uh, but because the board and the administration hasn't set up an alternative way for people to get that feedback, I think it it does um, promote the sense that they're not approachable or not touchable. You may speak to them, but you can't get redress, right? Yeah. You, this, you know, they could be they could be seven feet up on a stage, and you're kind of talking to them, and you don't get redress. But they could probably solve this by creating other ways to communicate with you, group settings, large group settings, small group settings, but it can't be done in, you know, one-on-one on coffee. That's that's a piece of it. There needs to be more of that, I think. And that's what promotes this sense of they're not really approachable. They're, you know, they're just there. You think so? I do do think, I do think so. Um, It's an easy one to fix. You know, if... If there's this real concern that there should be an alternative way to communicate, mm-hmm. then do it. Yeah, well, it's I not mean, email. I mean, you can I mean, email then, them and they don't then, respond. Then move forward. Yeah, then yeah. move forward and do it. And this goes back to my point before about the business world. We yeah. don't talk about it so long. We just have to do it. Got to do it. And um, so, okay, it's not something to. It's not going to should be on the agenda for next time and again. <laughs> so uh, let's just figure it out and do it by the end of today. Figure out what's the plan, and that's how you get stuff done. But you know, going back to the the trustees. You know, when I when I spoke with Ellen, and Ellen uh, and I are friends, and, yeah. and I have a lot of respect for her. I told her in the in the event that I win, I'll nominate her to become the emeritus trustee <laughs> or substitute <laughs> the emeritus trophy case. Yeah. <laughs> and um, but uh, for example, last election, uh, people came out, and she said people came out and said, you know things that about some of these incumbents that might not have been true on the internet yeah and says pretty, and, pretty crappy and um she said that the other trustees had to step up and uh say something against that yeah and i said doesn't that defeat the neutrality position though and uh, she said well they were standing up as fact checkers oh so then the question is can you still keep neutrality and find another way to fact check yeah and if there's that solution, why yeah. not think about that solution first? And so um, this is just solution being yeah. solution oriented, yeah. and trying to figure out how to handle the situation. Yeah. Yeah. Leadership is so much of that. Uh, you know, being accessible, uh, being able to um, speak what you're thinking, speak in a way that people can understand it. Now, you um, you have a, a an edu- you're in your in the private sector. You're in education. You. You are in education because you're a teacher and you have all this great uh, experience. 
But uh, not necessarily all of that will translate into becoming a good trustee. So can you give the listeners maybe a couple examples of, uh, right, you obviously had a lot of success. You've talked about your successes and your accomplishments. But what what about the things where you've made mistakes? I've always believed that you learn a lot more from your mistakes than you do uh, your, your wins. What are you bringing from the private sector and your background into the uh, this role of administering a public institution that voters need to know about that translates? What can you share with us you think that's important for people to understand? So they can say, you know, based on what David yeah. says, he, he is the right guy. Well, um, I can say that I'm not a pure businessman <laughs> mm-hmm. because business, uh, the goal of business is to increase uh, revenue. Mm-hmm. And that's not my goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, my goal is to uh, treat people with dignity uh, respect uh, and move forward as a community. And um, in my ex- experience in, in business, and I've worked at the largest education company in the world, and I was a uh, man. Who was that? It's a company in China, a New Oriental. Okay. And and I worked as uh, one of the first foreigner staff uh, in this. So I was a pioneer in this area and, and develop and, and as private schools all around the country. And um, I was mainly focusing on the consulting uh, side of our work, and mm-hmm. I, I developed that out. I h- helped hire more than thirty staff uh, and train them. Yeah. And um, I worked as a high school counselor and consultant and stuff. So I built out this team, and we move forward. And I really love this work. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know if uh, you've been a high school counselor working with students going through that process. Nope. But that no, pro- I was counseled in high school. <laughs> you know, <laughs> a that, lot. That process is kind of like a rite of passage because there's so much self-reflection. Who are you? What do you want? What's your goal? What's your dream? And so in China, a lot of students, because of the education system, never were trained to think that way. So I, we kind of really? we kind of went through that that mm. process ourselves, and it was going one on one, and it's really beautiful experience to be with a human being and them realizing who they are. Oh, that's well, yeah, oh, that's my dream. I figured it out, and you know, mm. having. That's you know, very fulfilling, yeah, and more than the the income, the revenue, yeah. Um, but then the the company grew so fast, yeah, that they started wanting to turn the consulting business into like a factory line. Uh, okay, this person does this, this person does this, and to of course maximize revenue. And yeah. for me, that I I, I couldn't accept that. Yeah, I, w- I was there for that personal connection and helping, and mm. and that became very cold. And and so that was kind of the end of that relationship. Mm. And so, in some in some sense, you know, I left a great opportunity in terms of business. But at the same sense, at the same time, I you know kept my principles and very happy. I have no regrets. And about so, that education all. really your calling. Yes, it's really your calling, yeah. and 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 being a trustee and being able to influence uh, the great things that this school is doing is a calling for you. Yes. Yeah, I yeah. get it. Yeah, and I I know many educators around the world um, at high schools around the country and colleges. I know admission officers. Mm-hmm. I've attended many education conferences. I've given conference speeches at at National Association of Independent Schools, at the boarding, uh, the Association of Boarding Schools, um, at, at many different conferences. Yeah. And I and I can bring that to the table because there's a point of you know, this. Like I said, this you've got a lot the, of experience in the space. You're yeah. you've got the resume. You're not an outsider. <laughs> You're an insider outsider, yeah. uh, but this is a natural progression for you. Yeah. So, for example, when the board members talk to the superintendent, the superintendent brings in a plans or ideas. Yeah. If you don't really know what's behind that and what's the value, uh, how does that, how is that connected to the whole the whole life cycle of a student? Yeah. Then it's really difficult. You're kind of just trusting the superintendent. Got you. And because that, you can't see 
into the inner workings of the organization to know how this might affect the student. So, for example, there's two standardized college tests that ACT and SAT. SAT, yeah. And ACT is much more scientific-based, and but the, a lot of people know the uh, the SAT, but that's because the College Board is very aggressive in terms of marketing. They're yeah. much more business-minded as opposed to the ACT. Gotcha. And sometimes people don't really know that. And mm-hmm. uh, when they make them some decisions and stuff, uh, they don't get to... They don't know that whole process. It's a conversation I had with some school board members, and they talk about the importance of governance and when being a school board. But then I also said, you need to be able to scrutinize too. Yeah. Um, otherwise, there's, you know, how can you manage a superintendent if you're not being able to scrutinize those plans? Yeah, you, you should always um, question what's going on and be curious about what's going on. And, and, and because uh, the superintendent may understand that you are, not you, but a typical board member is not a product of the educational system. Yeah, uh, that you're and you're ignorant that that means that they shouldn't be asked questions and 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 uh, you know communicate and clarify why they're proposing the things they're proposing. Yeah, there's a danger there that without that knowledge, that um, it can easily yeah. fall into groupthink. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Goodness. Oh, I like that idea. Oh yeah, good yeah, idea. Yeah. Oh, and you know, the the group comes almost like do, a click. Do you think there's a lot of that going on with all the six zero and seven zero votes with the board? I think so. You think I mean, so? I group mean, think. I group. I mean, they seem like very close with each other, buddy buddies. And, yeah. You know, at the end, like at the end of the last uh, school board meeting this week, um, John Havenstreit said, "All right, uh, we finished in record time," and kind of looking around his colleagues and kind of happy. They have they have this kind of uh, camaraderie, camaraderie, yeah. which is you know, of course, which yeah. is very important for sure. a group to got to get on to, to work. But together, at the yeah. same time, the, this, con- the concept of neutrality um, is defeated by that. Yeah, and so um, and that's the same. I I uh, felt as I heard that you just uh, you're applauding the fact that we got the board meeting done in record time, but yet you restricted the time for public comment to one minute per person. <laughs> yeah, these are exactly. not compatible. Yeah, so <laughs> it feels it. Yeah, that adds to that prestige and that exactly unapproachableness. That, and you know, we're here and you're there. And you uh, can't blame you, know. you can't blame people for having that perspective when you have that behavior. Yeah, yeah. And um, you know, in front of everybody. Yeah. And yeah, people. Many people wanted, I think, to speak more yeah. than uh, the one minute. Well, let's let's talk about the board meeting and the um, you know t- topic du jour was was really tough. I have not been to a board meeting um, in many months. Yeah. Uh, my wife likes to attend them, and I hear about all of them. Uh, but, you know, that uh, 34 minutes, about 32 of it was taken up by parents, one after one, reading the these pornographic, no doubt, no ambiguity, hardcore, X-rated, hard R, underlined, bold books. That are in our schools. I don't. They're they're in all all the schools, all the libraries. Some, you know, that was tough. How did you feel sitting there? I, I saw you were in there. How does that make you feel? Well, that's not the first one. It's been going. Oh, it's been going on. It's been going on for several yeah. <laughs> board meetings. Um, well, first of all, number one, parents have the right to say, you know, this is free speech, and um, you know, they have free the right speech to, in the in the boardroom. In the boardroom, yeah, they they sure. can say whatever they want, and I'm fully supportive, even if I disagree with what they think. Yeah. I you know, this is what this is, we're there for to to speak, 
I think there is a perspective that the board meeting is is a business meeting and not necessarily a place to to speak. But hey, if you want to speak, speak. Yeah. Um, the topic about um, the books in the library, I think, is also a very interesting topic. I think there's different levels to it. One is it's great to see so much activism with parents and yeah. people involved, and I think, and to some extent, this is kind of controversial, right? And but at the same time, as leaders cannot shrink from controversy. Yeah. We should welcome it. We should get, you know, engage and get more people involved and have this community ownership discussion, um, have community buy-in. Uh, and if you don't, then you do get, like what we see here mm-hmm. is that uh, people wanting to stand up and, and, and you know, it's basically they ha- they feel like they haven't been heard. Oh, they've they been were, heard, but oh, nothing's going on. Well, not before the decision was made or any decision made. Uh, yeah. And um, and so, you know, if there is, for example, the interest from the board to say, all right, the school meeting, the, the board meeting is not the place to talk about this, then immediately offer an alternative. Yeah. Right? Don't just leave it at that. Because then... You're just asking for more. Yeah, <laughs> you're not. You're yeah. not. We're not providing an out. Yeah. You're not providing a solution. You're not providing a common ground. Yeah. You know, a compromise. And so, yeah, let's let's have a a, a real deep conversation. Everybody involved. I've noticed uh, in this board meeting, in the previous board meeting, it's kind of some of the same people uh, coming up, and mm. you know, have them come together. Let's talk about it. Yeah, yeah. There's probably, um, you know, it it takes a lot of gumption to get up there. And read that stuff. Yeah. So you know there's a hundred or there's hundreds of parents behind that that don't have the courage to do that. Yeah. That's tough. All right, you're a trustee. What are you gonna do about this library book problem? I mean, this seems so simple to fix. I mean, it's you're right. What are you gonna do? Well, first, uh I'll involve librarians. And by the way, <laughs> I don't wanna I don't wanna talk about the books that are historical in nature, the questionable ones about history. Set those aside. Mm-hmm. And the ones that talk about um homosexuality or gender dysphoria, yeah. set those aside. That's yeah. another topic. Okay. Just the ones that are that we heard the other night. Sexual. Sexual, yeah. gratuitous. Yeah. What are we going to do to solve that? You're I, the trustee. Yeah, I think, you know, so first of all, as the trustee is, I shouldn't be like making a decision I that know. everybody, right? I know. And, and as a trustee, I should be. What's the idea it, that you would be putting in front of the other trustees? I would be modeling um, cooperative behavior. I will be wanting to modeling uh, community building and open discussion. Um, get the librarians involved and have them explain the the standards in the case. Mm. You know, have that be understood. Mm. Have the counter argument. Uh, what what's wrong with that? Have a discussion. Have a vote. You know, have the people involved in the process. Um, and that's what I would do. It wouldn't hmm. be a unilateral David action or, or you know, it doesn't matter my opinion. It might, what matters is my respect for the community's opinion mm-hmm. and their involvement. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that's, that's the way I would approach it. <clears throat> Let's go on to something else that's uh, really easy to talk about and easy <laughs> to solve. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, the next uh, DEI. Okay. Let's get into DEI. Very that's, easy. Uh, um, piece of cake. Piece of cake. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's on everyone's mind. Um, you know, we there's a, a it's very polarizing. You have a group of parents that understand it and are behind it, and that's great. And then you have a 
group of parents that um, probably don't understand it or maybe indifferent about it and, you know, trust the school's doing the right thing. And then you have a group of parents that don't want nothing to do to it. You know, it's do with it. It's something else. I keep coming back to my curiosity about, is this going to benefit my child? Am I, is my child going to get yeah. better marks? Are they going to get to college? Are they going to have higher earning potential? You know, wh- why are we doing this? Um, I'm not clear on what the heck it is. Yeah. I will ask you, yeah. what is it? Do you know what it is? Can you explain it to me? I get different answers from everyone I talk to. What is it? I think it is a um, outlook. An outlook. That's interesting. An outlook. Um, you know, I'm a product of the push for diversity in the United States. International education policy um, of the last Powell scholarship was the reason my dad came to the U.S. He got this scholarship um, and that was to promote diversity in the United States. Mm. Um, promote, the, bring immigrants and, immigrants and educate them. Yeah, the, full, the, yeah. the Fulbright Las Palos Scholarship. I grew, yeah. up, I grew up in Texas here. Yeah, wonderful. And, and so uh, and I am appreciative of this, of this movement, uh, mm. of this diversity. And growing up uh, in Texas and, and New England, I also have been a leader uh, in, in like multicultural advisory council as a student mm-hmm. or uh, trying to understand diversity. And, you know, my perspective was uh, it's kind of an outlook because it's it's more like seeing things that are different from what you're normal normally seeing. And um, then being offered that exposure and because that exposure basically can open your eyes. So, you know, I'm in the education field. I've studied abroad and I've promoted study abroad. I've helped students study abroad. And going abroad is part of that. It's, it's kind of like a DEI kind of uh, experience. You go there and you land someplace and it's like different people and different culture and different food. Yeah. And you kind of uh, learn how to adapt and stuff. But if you're not, if you don't go, if you don't have that exposure, you're not, you're not even, you don't even not aware that you're lacking that exposure. Um, let me give you an example um, so I went to a college uh, famous for foreign languages. It's mm-hmm. called Middlebury College in Vermont. Uh-huh. Um, like the CIA send their op- okay, operatives gotcha, there yeah. to, to study. To go learn language. Korean. <laughs> to learn all the, all the different foreign yeah, languages yeah. and stuff during the summer. And so it's like uh, the most renowned foreign language school in, in, in the country. And um, the dean of languages uh, is a form, was a former uh, UT professor. And we became friends at, at college and uh, hung out with his family and stuff. Uh, he visited me when I was in Beijing with his mm-hmm. mom, with his uh, with his wife, and we were having dinner. And he's like, "David, um, I didn't know there were so many different kinds of Chinese people, <laughs> and like different yeah. shapes and different uh, looks well, and, and different sizes. Yeah, like fifty dialects or something." Yeah, and uh, you know, obviously, this is a very intelligent man, a very cultured man, and, yeah. and a, a, a leader in the in the area of world languages and culture. And, yeah, and um, I just found that comment to be quite interesting because it's. Also, at the same time, you can't blame him. He's only been exposed to what he's been exposed. Yeah. And he hasn't lived in China before. And that's kind of part of the, you know, the disconnect. There's, there's a whole different world out there. Yeah. And so I think DEI is, has that purpose to help uh, students open their eyes to differences in the world and not only racial, cultural, um, and any kind of identity. Mm-hmm. And I would extend that to say there should also be diversity uh, of thought Mm-hmm. and diversity of opinions. Mm-hmm. And I would 
I would I would recommend the the school board say if we really appreciate diversity, there should be there shouldn't be all that consensus <laughs> yeah. on votes. Yeah. Right. So so DEI to you is um, is an outlook yeah. on on life. Um, what is it that we're trying to implement at the school? We have the Dr. Gooden, uh, two years, very very highly paid a gentleman, yep. um, and. Um, and they're they're working with the teachers. What is it? I'm, I'm assuming yep. being a substitute teacher, you've been part of all this, or been uh, trained in yep. it, the, the the arts, or, it, or exposed to it. I don't know. Maybe you haven't. But what is it? What 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 are they driving in? Uh, that if a parent was able to be a fly on a wall, what would a parent see? And is it curriculum or is it not curriculum? So first of all, the process of DEI, I think, uh, goes back to one of my previous comments about how decisions, decision-making should be made and have the community more, more involved at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Because I think one of the controversies of DEI was there wasn't that community input. And that, as a result, ushered in this uh, disagreement at the back end. And I think that's been you know polarizing and that's not been helpful. Um, the process that they yeah, use. The, the pro- yeah. Here it comes. It's here. Here it is. Oh, and, you know, boom. And, um, what? We, huh? know, we know better than you. And this yeah. is this is. A, you know, I'm not. And I'm not disagreeing with the value of a DEI. I, I can appreciate the value. Yeah. I just feel that it, it wasn't done in a way that was respectful to other community members. And so, don't blame them if they're, they're upset, upset with that. Yeah, yeah. And um, and at the same time, it's it's it was some it was somewhat weaponized, I believe, in the last election uh, when smearing people. Um, and then talking bad of it, they're like, oh, this, uh, someone who's not for DI selling becomes like a white supremacist or, yeah. or and that is really irresponsible. Yeah. Um, and that's something that I think the, the school board should have come out and say, that's, you know, even, even this is a competitor of mine, a rival. Yeah. I, I'm not condoning that. I, you know, I, yeah. I, I think, I mean, I'm still trying to figure it out. Uh, I'm not a bad guy. I'm just curious. I don't know. Yeah. And, and I'm listening to you and, and everyone I've talked to has a different idea about what DEI is. Mm-hmm. So the process was wrong. You agreed, and that's yeah. driven a lot of the division and the yeah. the, the uh, uh, disenfranchisement yeah. of the of the concept away from the community. What um, what's going on with the teachers? What what are we driving into the teachers? The education that the teachers have been so, getting. You know, personally, I, I I can't say too much because I haven't seen that much. Oh, okay. Uh, to to be so honest, to secret. be honest, you I, you know, I, I just haven't seen that much. Yeah. I mean, I've been mainly focused on substitute teaching elementary schools okay. and middle schools, and I think more of the DEI has been implemented at the high school level. Gotcha. You know, but at the same time, I feel the elementary school level is actually yeah. the most important place yeah. to talk about DEI because, you know, in terms of child development, psychological development, those stages of growth, you know, those grades, those early grades in elementary school really affect your outlook. Mm-hmm. And um, if you don't, you know, well, so you can, because a child today can get an A without the outlook of DEI. Can't they still get a, um, do they need DEI to get the A again? The DEI is not for a grade, I don't think. Okay, what, uh, that's so what I'm the, trying to the understand. the DEI, and I think well, from what I understand, Dr. Leonard, is the DEI is for when these kids leave our district mm-hmm. and go on to the, into the world. Yeah. They're, they're not going to be so shocked <laughs> yeah. that the world is so different yeah. uh, from what they've come to know. Mm-hmm. And um, so... I think there's some truth in that because uh, I think a lot of people, even John Havenstrand has mentioned that we kind of live in a bubble uh, here in the Eanes ISD Westlake uh, mm-hmm. area. And, you know, I've been helping trying to pop that bubble and, and mm-hmm. inject more international uh, uh, culture and uh, promoting that. But at the same time, 
I'm not, yeah, I wonder about that. Most of the population here has got to be transient, like yourself, like me, like all the people that are coming from these other states coming here. Um, you know, I'm married to an immigrant. I don't know if you're married. You're married to an immigrant yeah. as well. Yeah. Uh, your children speak the language. Yeah. My children speak other language. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're pretty diverse as it is. My kids went yeah. abroad and spent a year in Czech Republic studying. Yeah, this, yeah. And, yeah. you know, I, we just threw them in it. They didn't need a whole prep course before they went over there. You're about ready to go to Czech Republic, and here's what you're going to see. You know, so it's it's interesting. It sounds nice. You get people prepared to go out and get, but we already live in a multicultural world. We are absolutely we're live in a diverse world. So we're like pumping diversity into a place that's already diverse. I mean, we everyone here that we you look around as lily white as it is. We have a very diverse group of in our community here from all over the country yes. that have their own experiences. All that do we does this, the parents not we're not kids aren't getting it from their parents. Your kids need more of it. They're not getting it from you or from my parents. I mean, how much more exposure can you get to the rest of the world? Yeah, this is a very great point uh, that you make, mm-hmm. and I think it's uh, revealing as well because mm-hmm. when we look at DEI. Um, and the implementation. Uh-huh. You have to look at it from where it's being implemented because yeah. from the, that point of view affects, un, sub, you know, unconscious bias <laughs> affects what that outlook is going to be. Okay. And, uh, you know, one one of the great comments I heard from one of the students in the DI committee was we already have so much, like you said, we have so much culture in our uh, community. Yeah. Why don't we just recognize that and just celebrate that? And this is something I've mentioned before in mm-hmm. some meetings that we need to do that on a more regular basis. We have right now, uh, at least in Eanes Elementary, we have something called Heritage Day. Uh-huh. There's a day, one day throughout the whole academic year that people uh, celebrate. Um, actually, it's over a couple of days, um, like Heritage, Heritage, almost Heritage Week. Yeah. But in I, my point was we shouldn't be confined to uh, this period of time. It should be all the time we should be celebrating our our heritage, yeah. right? And if you don't, then you're just kind of labeling it in a, in a way, mm-hmm. kind of kind of compartmentalizing it in a way. It's not doesn't become a, uh, a and it, it is you know like you, like you said, if we're living in a very multicultural community, let's let's get that involved. And so yeah. there is a little bit of a disconnect there. Yeah. There's a disconnect there. It, it's I don't think the the people are refusing to to provide that yeah. to their community or to their children. Yeah. Maybe they don't know how to. Maybe yeah. they haven't been engaged yet, but it's definitely a, a resource that we can definitely yeah. tap. And is that the school's role to do that? I think it is. Mm-hmm. I think it's the school's role. Uh, but at the same time, the school itself, when we talk about school, we have to distinguish between teachers and administrators. And teachers already have enough to do, so they're probably yeah. we, we shouldn't be looking to them. Administrators, yes. And I would say campus administrators, but also uh, district-wide yeah. administrators. Um, Does, uh, you know, in, in American history... Uh, and the American experience, we have this term melting pot. Yeah. And, uh, you know, some say the melting pot ended in the 30s and 40s after the major migrations of yeah. uh, the Irish and, uh, you know, the Poles and the Germans and whatnot. Uh, it does, is DEI, is, uh, you, you, maybe you're not the guy to ask, I don't know, but is it promoting the melting of the culture or is it uh, the American experience or is it separating us and by by asking us to always call out everyone's difference, you know, b- before it was you assimilate, yeah. And we don't have an assimilation problem, right. you yeah, know, today, right. except for the folks that you know are are coming here and can't speak. 
but you know it's it feels is it promoting the melting of uh, melting pot or is it so there's there's melting pot and there's salad bowl okay right? the salad bowl is where you there's still a lot of different pieces in there and yeah. they're separate from each other and but they're not melted together yeah gotcha so there's a salad bowl uh, analogy you know I think DEI is not necessarily one, there's one definition for DEI and we can make DEI whatever we want. Yeah. Uh, we, we can take the lead. This is our community. This is our initiative. And um, and so what that means to us, um, I think we, we need to have input. Uh, whether this is a melting pot or a salad bowl, I'm not, I'm not quite sure. I mean, I, I think people should lead their lives uh, according to what they want what they and want not, do, yeah. not according to a DEI. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you end up marrying who you want and you're having uh, offspring that are what you like. And, yeah. And uh, yeah, so it's... Where does, where does um, uh, this issue and amongst other parents, where do you feel it's uh, rubbing up against parental rights? Because that, that's kind of an argument, whatever it is. And you know, again, the jury's still out. Yeah, uh, I can't quite get the clear answer, and I'm not admonishing yeah. you because you no. can't. But you know, you have your belief on what it is. Um, is it is it is it butting up against parental rights uh, if the parents say? Because I think that's a thrust from the parents, like we don't want you spending our children's time and our tax money, and all. we'll teach them. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, I could say that I'll teach my kids what I want about this. You just focus on school. It's a parental rights issue. Do you see it? Is that legitimate and reasonable? When when you look at the opposition, yeah. yeah. Well, that's that's a good good argument argument to have. I mean, uh, the the question then is whether it's DEI or not. What are the things that parental rights cover in uh-huh. a public school education? And once that's clear, before you inject DEI, because DEI yeah. can then become kind of emotional, and yeah. you know, what are the parents' rights in the education, and uh, whether it's curriculum or non-curricular or like uh, values-based, yeah. Um, so that needs to be clear even before having that discussion. And it, by having that discussion without being that being clear, you're going to end up yeah. having a lot of uh, disputes and misunderstandings. Um, you know. I I also heard that parents say uh, I can teach my kids on my own. Yeah, this kind of stuff. Yeah, um, and I heard Dr. Leonard's response was, uh, "But those aren't just your kids; they're part of our community and uh, part of our schools. And our school, our community are in the schools that we have to help manage and stuff like that." So, I think the perspective is a little bit different. I think hmm. uh, from the parents' point of view, it's like their nu- the nuclear family, the nucleus, nuclear family, uh, and then from the district's point of view. So we, this is our kids. <laughs> yeah, they're not their this, kids. This is our community, our yeah. school, our school. We need we need to uh, manage. Yeah, uh, and their behaviors and stuff. And so, you know, they they both feel like they have the right. <laughs> yeah. And so, but at the same time, what's you know, how far those rights go? Yeah. Uh, realistically and legally speaking, technically yeah. speaking, you know, what are what are the lines? And I think those things are important to. Yeah. To figure out to have a practical yeah. uh, discussion yeah. and okay, w- what can we really do about this? Otherwise, it's just heated, yeah. emotional. I mean, are you sure you want to be a trustee? I mean, this, <laughs> this is this is this is not easy stuff. I mean, it's it's really nuts um, to deal with these things. Like, our, very little of our discussion are we talking about academic achievement? 
Mm. Right. I mean, we're we're all mired in these other matters, and mm. it's unfortunate. You know, the teachers, attrition, the the, the these damn books, the DEI thing, the you know, da da da. We're not talking about what's really the most important thing is the darn kids. And and I that's we got to get back to that. And I hope if you are elected, you help us get back to really what's important. And you know, we I want my darn kid educated, and on things that I can't educate him in. I, I can't give them, I can't do, I can do calculus, but I can't teach it, you know? Yeah, I think, yeah, this is about leadership Yeah, and modeling. So as, um, you know, the superintendent and the school board, you know, showing that interest. Yeah. Uh, and, um, and modeling the good behavior for. Yeah. I, I, I have uh, a great um, admiration and hope for uh, Mr. Arnett to. Mm-hmm. pull this off and turn things around and get it going. He's very genuine, very authentic gentleman. He came on the podcast. It was a very good interview. Um, let's get on to budget. Sure. All right. So let's talk about budget, and then we'll, we've will we got a couple more things for you. Um, we, but uh, before you go on budget, let please. me say something about the academic excellence because, you know, that's also for something for, – for me as an educator – I think that's something that's really important. I mean, I've been the mission st- statement of academic ap- just, academic excellence. Just being a school and having this academic excellence, but being careful that this ac- academic excellence doesn't translate into arrogance. Uh, but st- you know, having this excellence, but still being humble, hmm. and I think that's a, for you know, like I said, I've gone to some of the best schools in in the world, and I've been a teacher also at, at some best schools too, and some great students, and I have this standard to really you know achieve achieve a lot. And so, but how can we do that in a way that, you know, provides dignity as well to our students and teachers? And I think that's really the important question uh, because sometimes, like I said, if there's this push for academic excellence, it's going to overshadow people who are struggling. And, um, you know, that's not nice for them. Yeah. You know, we're talking about inclusion, that you're not mm-hmm. including them. Well, if the, you uh, have, um, by the mere mathematics, if you have 100% of children uh, getting into college that they want to, or ninety nine percent and a hundred percent of minorities. It doesn't sound like there's many people left behind, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> Academically, now they may be destroyed mentally or whatever. Yeah. But yeah. right, I mean, the, 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 you're, it's almost a perfect score. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's you just you know you just pulled a four hundred game. As uh, but as someone who's worked in private schools a lot, yeah. Um, it's, you know, there is a difference with public schools because public schools do follow you know, public education law. Yeah. And um. There's a bit of a difference, you know, for, and not just, uh, we're not talking about EANS, we're yeah. talking about all dis- school districts yeah. in the country. You know, their obligation is only to provide what's appropriate to children, yeah. it's not to provide the best education that they can provide. Yeah. That's legally not their obligation. Yeah, gotcha. And so the, there's the, only to apply to uh, provide the minimums. Yeah, well, there's an appropriate uh, yeah. setting and stuff like that. Um, and so it's, it's kind of already a low bar in place mm-hmm. for public schools. Yeah. And that's why we need then parents to step up, uh, help out, yeah. um, you know, push for excellence. Uh, it's not like EANS is, is not pushing for excellence. Obviously, EANS is a district of, of excellence, yeah. you know, but at the same time, we need to you know, have parents yeah. involved more. Yeah, I get it. Um, let's talk about the budget. Uh, we've, there's lots of issues in the budget. It depends on how you look at it, what lens you're using to look at the budget. Um, we know, and we've talked in the podcast, we know we're not paying our teachers enough. Uh, and you talked about fixing that. We know that we're dependent on EEF for at least 50 of these yeah. fine people, which means we've, we have a dependency on EEF. Without them, we can't make payroll. We have a problem. 
Um, we know what the statutory limits are and what we're going to get from the state. And there's nothing you can do about that, right? Yeah. So, um, how do you see the budget issue? What are the what are the big issues? What are the problems with the budget? And how would how do you think we fix it if you're a trustee? Um, I would say two things. One is thinking outside the box. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've kind of um, solidified our way of thinking of way of approaching problems, and we really need an innovator in there to kind of say, "How about this? How about that?" You know, and even if those ideas are not going to work out, still throwing out ideas mm-hmm. because you know, one of them is going to be gold and that's going to be the, the answer. So, you know, having this kind of brainstorming and innovative thought and what, what if we do this, what if we do that, and engaging more people. You know, I, this is a conversation I had with uh, with Jay, Jay Lammy. You know, right. he has this financial experience and I you know, would obviously, you know, encourage him to be involved and engage him. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think there's so much more we can do after that. So um, I think that's, that's the first point I would say. Mm-hmm. And the second point is... Um, I'm not going to have the answers for everything. And so, you know, some of these questions in terms of the budget, I think we can have the answers together mm-hmm. as a community, mm. engaging the community, um, you know, the pillars of democracy, of uh, openness, transparency, accountability. I think that is the foundation from which to then move forward with questions like budget. Yeah, um, It's not up to David, I don't think... Now, even if I'm a school, school board member, my personal opinion is one thing, but I'm not going to let that override the interest of the community. And so what is that interest of the community? What do, you know? What does the community want to do? That's what I want to find out, and um, that's what I'll be pushing gotcha. for. Okay, fair enough. Um, why did you decide to run against Ellen instead of uh, Heather Sheffield? So Heather and I are, are friends already uh, longer than, than Ellen. Okay. <laughs> Heather was on so you, Envision. You like her better. <laughs> another set, another way. Well, she's, uh, uh, Heather was on Envisionings, actually. Uh, yeah. We have three. Uh, uh, we have Heather, James Spradley, Laura Clark uh, uh, from Envisionings. Um, I forget anybody. So trustees were actually on the committee? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, and they, they became... Uh, oh, they were there, and then they... they, they then yeah, they, they, they were they, advisory they, committee, and then they became trustees. Okay, they weren't trustees. Yeah, well, yeah, trustees they, they, go down there. Okay. Yeah, they, they didn't, they didn't uh, okay. become trustees. Uh, so why Ellen? So, uh, so Ellen, because so we, you yeah. don't have the heart to run against so, Heather. Well, I don't have the heart to run against an Envisionings uh, colleague. I so, see. Okay. Like, I, like I said, Envisionings okay. is, is an important group of, uh, of colleagues that we've gone through together already yeah. more than three years, and uh, even though Heather wasn't part of that whole time because she became a trustee later and she's part of the group once a once an envision Eans member always and um so i think that was just the the initial the default yeah i think that was the, yeah. in, uh, the initial kind of uh, reaction in terms of who am i going to run okay. against i mean there's there can be a whole different kinds of you know ways to yeah. to look at it and slice it but well yeah. why are you and not ellen why pick me yeah why should we vote for you and not vote for ellen so uh you know, at the same time, I I see the value uh, that Ellen brings to our district. Um, she's been a part of our community, you know, our part of the fabric in our community. You know, it's you know, mm-hmm. and being you know, being honest, it's not like uh, I can win and suddenly she's just out of the picture. Yeah. We still need her. Yeah, we still need her, and this is why I mentioned to her that you know I'd welcome her to become an emeritus uh, trustee. Mm-hmm. Um, because I'm not looking at this as a zero sum. Yeah. You know, I'm looking at this as how can we all work together? Even Jay, Jay, come on, let's see how, how, how you can help out and be, a, for example, EEF liaison with the board. 
And so, but uh, with with Ellen, she's been there quite a long time and recognized as the resident historian by Dr. Leonard. Oh, well, she is. She runs the historical <laughs> uh, a, uh, museum, the society. I, I'm losing the wrong words, but her knowledge on the history of the area is just immense. Yeah, yeah which is obviously a very, you know, a, a very important asset. But I think that at this moment of time, I think that people need not someone who understands history, but someone who has made history, who uh-huh. can make history, uh-huh. who is innovative. And uh, I think the community should not look at yesterday to lead us to tomorrow. They should look mm. at a bright future and a new, I was, new, new outlook. I was going to finish with a question on um, end our interview with asking you to explain to listeners why they should vote for you. But I think you just said it, <laughs> right? If you, if, do you have anything you'd like to end with on you know why should they get your vote or why should you get their vote? Well, I do have a message for parents. Your children are lucky to have you. We need more parents to be involved in their children's education, to advocate for them, to help them to move them forward. I understand parents come home at the end of a long work day and they're tired, they're not well informed, and they're busy having to work hard to pay for the mortgage, pay for health care. As a school board member, I will prioritize parent education and I pledge to uphold our pillars of democracy, openness, accountability, and transparency to keep you, parents, fully informed and knowledgeable because only together with you as an active, well-informed public can our school board properly function and our community fully realize its potential in a democratic society? Well, uh, David, David Barutia, uh, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast and thank you for bringing your lovely daughter here. No, no, thank you for having very me. Very sweet. And I wish you the, um, the best of luck on the upcoming election. And thank, thank you. you for all your service to the community no, and the school so far. No, my pleasure. And um, again, thank you. Good luck. Thank you. This podcast is brought to you by Ian's Kids First, ensuring that Ian's prioritizes our children's well-being, honors parental rights, and unites our incredible community. To learn more about our mission or to donate to our cause, please visit us at eanskids.com. That's E-A-N-E-S kids.com. <laughs>